Have you ever experienced that nagging feeling of inadequacy or self-doubt when embarking on something new? Despite having the qualifications or achievements, there's an underlying fear of being exposed as an imposter. In these moments, we might say, but God, I can't. When we could be saying, but God, with you, I can. Join Maurice F. Martin and me as we explore ways to overcome this very common phenomenon known as imposter syndrome. Welcome to Living the Reclaim Life podcast. I'm Denisha. We're glad you're here for conversations that revive hope, inspire healing, and encourage you to live a vibrant life with Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat with today's guest. Welcome back to the podcast. I am thrilled to reintroduce you to one of our favorite guests, someone whose wisdom and insights have graced our show before. If you haven't had the pleasure of listening to episodes 110 and 111 featuring Maurice F. Martin, I highly recommend you do so. Maurice is a two-time best-selling author, the host of the Hope Rising podcast, and the former co-host of the TV show, Getting the Word Out. He also works with churches, schools, and businesses to take their culture and relationships to the next level through teaching authentic leadership. And today we're in for a treat because Maurice is back with us. And not only that, today marks a special occasion for us as we kick off our fourth year of podcasting and we launch today into season four. So Maurice, it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It is special because you're building my faith, right? That anybody who's done podcasting knows it's a grind and life life's in the midst of the seasons. <laughs> and so to see you where you are, it encourages me and inspires me. And so I'm just thankful to be here. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I follow you on social. So I watch every little new thing that you put out. I'm like, oh, that is so good. So this month just felt like we needed to have you back and talk about, we were talking about imposter syndrome. You know, this month, our theme is, but God, right? Mm -hmm. And perfect mm -hmm. time to have you back with your book, sure right? Is. We'll talk about that also. <laughs> but there's so many times in our life when we think I'm not qualified to do this and I may have the qualifications, but I still feel like I'm a fraud as I step mm -hmm. into doing this thing. And that is a huge part of imposter syndrome that we mm -hmm. face. And I noticed you were talking about that recently and teaching on it, doing some coaching on it and speaking. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I got to call Maurice. I got to reach back out and say, let's do this again. And let's talk about that. And as we're feeling those emotions, but God, right? Mm, absolutely. It's funny because when we live our own lives, we see that we're on the cutting edge of a lot of things, right? So we're on the cutting edge of technology. We're on the cutting edge of so many things, trends and fashion and all these things. So we believe that we're the first ones to experience life the way we're experiencing it. And the reality is that these concepts like imposter syndrome and the things that, that are the buzzwords and phrases of the last decade of our lives, you can see imposter syndrome in the Bible, right? It's the Lord saying, hey, Moses, I need you to be a person who brings forth freedom to my people. You need to go back to the place where you came from and do something for me. And Moses is so quick to say, but God, don't you know I'm not qualified to live that life? I'm not qualified to be that person. You see it with Gideon and so many other people in scriptures because people were quick to say, but God, don't you know I'm disqualified? And the truth is that God is the one who qualifies us. It's not us, it's his grace 
and his mercy and his overall plan and agenda for our lives that are what qualify us to the very things that we're born to live. That's so good because we are the first ones to tell ourselves that we're not qualified. But how do you trump what God says? Like if God Mm. says we're qualified, then there's an adventure to step into there for sure. Well, it's easy for us to trump God's voice. And that's controversial to say, but here's why. God often speaks in a still, small voice. And inner dialogue tends to yell and rumble on the inside of you. So sometimes it's easy for your inner negativity to tune out God's truth. You have to really be willing to sit still, tell those voices no, and tune into the voice of God. That's not always easy. It's easier said than done, but it is necessary. How do you do that personally? I mean, you know, sometimes you sit and if you're in a negative space or you're doubting yourself, a lot of times those voices in our minds can be louder. How do you discern the difference? That's such a good question. I'm going to give a multi-pronged answer. The first thing that I'm going to tell you is I was willing to get help. That's not something that everybody always says, okay? I've done regular therapy. I have done what is called EMDR trauma therapy. Why? Because some things I couldn't quite figure out how to do on my own, and I needed to get outside help. And so some of the tools that I gleaned and also some of the reprogramming that I feel like I went through in those processes helped. Sometimes we're so, I don't want to say overly spiritual, I almost want to say we're not spiritual enough, okay? Here's what I mean. If God is the God of all things, can't he be the one to help you pick the right therapist that says the right things and puts you in the right position to get the change that you need? The same way that we would trust him to pick out the right doctor. Look, Lord, I will have somebody lay hands on me and hope and pray that it works, but perhaps you want somebody to lay hands on me with a scalpel, and that's the miracle that you'll give me. And so sometimes we limit what God can do. And so I would begin by saying, I got help, and I've gotten help multiple times in the last 10 years of my life. Outside of that, it is reminding myself of what God says about me versus what I'm feeling about myself. The scriptures are loaded with God letting you know that you are cherished, that you are loved, that you're more than a conqueror. How can a person, by the way, be more than a conqueror? To conquer is to overcome, to take over, to win over. If you're even more than that, it means that you can win over and then turn back with compassion, turn back with grace, turn back with love. Like being more than a conqueror is a big deal. And so I remind myself of what God says. And I think that that's what we have to do. It's an actual practice. Think about in the book of Philippians, and I don't want to preach to everybody, but in Philippians where Paul says, if you have seen anything in me, put it into practice, right? Paul doesn't say the Holy Spirit has given you everything. He says the Holy Spirit gives you a whole bunch of things and he's inside of you. So interact with him and watch the example in front of you and put it into practice. And so I think that whatever it is that you feel led to try, maybe it's prayer and affirmation on a daily basis. Maybe it's writing in a journal. Maybe the way that you do it is through having specific scriptures that you just repeat and recite and just meditate on. Whatever you choose, understand it's going to be a practice and it's going to take time to be effective. When people come to me and say, Maurice, I can't do what you do. 
I already know that that means you just haven't stuck with it because I'm not more special than you. The Lord does not love me more than you. And the Holy Spirit in me is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit in you. So you're just going to have to stick with it. That's so good. You know, as you're talking about listening to the Lord's voice, what he has to say about you, that just reminds Mm. me back in Genesis where Mm. the enemy came and said, did God really say? I feel like that is so the root, not only in scripture, Mm -hmm. but of our lives where did God really say you were called to start this business? Did God really Mm -hmm. say you were to, you know, pursue having a child or did God really say that's such a foundational piece to our identity? Mm -hmm. There's two moments that I often think of is that moment in the garden. And then there's the moment with Jesus in the wilderness. If you are truly the son of God, (laughs) right? That the enemy's number one tactic, like the first one seems to be to attack your God-given identity and make you believe that you're someone that you're not, or that you aren't what he said you are. I've done a lot of work with people who struggle with alcoholism and addiction and things like that. And I always tell people, you have to be strong enough for, are you sure? That a person can say, I'm not drinking today. I'm not using these drugs today. But the moment someone says, are you sure? People tend to buckle. Well, the same is true of our identities in life. God will tell you who you are. He ordains you for a thing. God will give you such an anointing and such gifts. They put you in position. And before you know it, that tricky thing called imposter syndrome begins to kick in. And you begin to feel like a phony and a fraud and a fake because your mind is asking, are you sure? And the truth is, yes, you have to be sure. You have to find a way to say, yes, I'm sure what God said is enough. That's such a good question. Are you sure? Ah, I love that. That really makes you put your heels in the ground a little bit and build a foundation on why you can say, yes, I am sure. And here's the thing. I want to give everybody a visual. I hope this works and that you can see this in your mind. I want you to imagine that your heels are already dug in the ground because when the enemy challenges you and goes, are you sure? you'll have a tendency to put your heels in the ground and go, no, I'm not sure. And then someone will come up to you and say, hey, you're so gifted. You're so anointed. You can do this. I believe in you. And you'll go, no, but you haven't seen all the times when I failed and you don't know what I miss. And you dig your heels into the ground on the wrong side. So So what if you spun around, keep your heels in the ground, but spin around in the opposite direction and fight for the right thing? Ah, I love that. I love that visual. That's mm-hmm. so true. We can plant our heels in the wrong place. Are there times in our life that imposter syndrome tends to come up more than others? Yeah, times of promotion. I think that it's when we realize that elevation is upon us. And we talk about elevation in Christian circles a lot. And elevation means a lot of things, right? So it could mean moving up in the world and getting promoted in a job or in a ministry, getting a title, having something acknowledged. But sometimes it simply means that you're leveling up your life, right? That you're trying to build your finances and you're trying to get your family to the next level. Anytime that I dedicate myself to transition and transformation, there's always going to be resistance that comes at me, right? That's when the doubts are heaviest. Well, can I really do this? Can this really happen? Is this really possible? You don't have to worry about imposter syndrome if you decide from now on, I'm not changing, I'm staying the same. 
you won't have any imposter syndrome then because you're in your comfort zone. It's when you decide to move outside of your comfort zone that that syndrome kicks in. And it starts when you make a decision to change. It doesn't stop once the change actually comes because now your brain tells you you can't stay here. This place isn't for you. You can't stay here. You don't deserve to be here. You can't stay here. You're undeserving. Well, you're right. I am undeserving. I'm here because of God's grace. <laughs> we got to flip the script on those words and on those self-doubts and say, you're right. Anything that I have, you and I were talking before we started today, and you said, it, you just have such a powerful anointing. Those were your words. We know where an anointing comes from, and it doesn't come from me. Trust me, I have tried to manufacture my own anointing <laughs> in my life. Okay, let's be very clear. I can't do it, right? The oil does not fall. <laughs> so we have to understand that when your brain tells you you don't deserve this, your brain is right and wrong. Your brain is right in that you don't deserve it because you don't deserve anything good in life. But because Jesus paid a price for you and bought you with that price, his grace and his mercy and his love are why you're in the position you're in. And the worst thing you can do while standing in position for God is to back down. This is the moment for you to stand strong and say, my life is a living sacrifice for him. That's the necessary mindset we have to be in. Speak more to what backing down looks like. Because mm. some might interpret backing down as I'm going to step away. I'm not going to step up to the plate. Mm. But speak to what backing down means in that scenario. The easy way I would talk about backing down is, are you ever in a position where you know that there's more in you that you could bring to the table, but instead of bringing all of it to the table, you shrink? You mute yourself. You don't share and open up. You avoid doing and saying the things that you're capable of doing and saying that would add value. To me, that's the concept of backing down. And it's interesting. So in scripture, scripture speaks a lot about humility. And one of the words, and man, I hope I don't say it wrong. I just pulled up my phone for anybody who's watching because I was studying the word yesterday and I'm hoping it's on the, <laughs> I'm hoping it's on my phone in one of my tabs, but if it's not, that's okay. I believe that the word was anavar, I believe is the word. And it's one of the words that are used in scripture for the word humility. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Anavar, I believe is the word. Okay. And so it has a couple of different meanings, but one of the interpretations of that word is to take up one's God-given space, okay? So if you were to use that word for humility, it kind of is speaking to you're not supposed to take up space outside of the space God has given you. So I shouldn't be coveting things that aren't mine, and I shouldn't be taking credit with pridefully for things that have nothing to do with me, and I shouldn't be taking credit for what God is doing, right? But if you're taking up one's God-given space, it also means God has given you a space, you're supposed to take it up. And sometimes what we do is we fail to take up the space God has given us until we get challenged by life. And then the anger or frustration or somebody doubting you makes you come out of character to defend yourself. Don't you know all the things I've done around here? Don't you understand what I bring to the table? And now, because you didn't take up enough space, you're taking up too much. Mm. And so the balancing act for us is to stand up fully. Think about King David. Think about the people that we read about in scripture when they're at the height of their life. 
King David never says, I won't be the king. He becomes everything a king is supposed to be and walks boldly and powerfully in the authority of a king. Well, I'm pretty sure that when you're Jesus is that a king has given you authority over things that try to stand in your way in this life. So I must stand boldly in the authority God has given me, understanding God gave it to me, his will instead of mine, but I will stand in it. That's the type of how do you not back down? How do you stand up? It's understanding God made you this way. God puts you here. Be everything he puts you, but don't be anything he didn't. And that's a process. That's not a moment, but it's a necessary process. That's so good. You know, one of the biggest things that I think about as I think about like 10 years older myself looking back mm. to me now and saying something, <laughs> I don't want to sit on the rocking chair on my front porch with regret. Mm. Yes. You know, I really want to go, God, I tried. God, I stepped out. I didn't back down. I didn't shrink back. That's one of the things I think about all the time is I want to be like, I threw it all out in the ring. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, you and me both. One of the things people say to me often, and they mean well, and I don't think I should correct them, but sometimes I do, and it's probably the wrong move, right? Is they go, Maurice, you know what I love about you? You don't back down and you don't give up. Well, that's not true at all. I back down often. And I give up all the time. And I'm learning that the key is to give up and then get back up and start again as quickly as possible. I have quit as a speaker, as a coach. I have quit just life. I've quit over and over and over and over and over. Nobody will tell you that. I will. Okay. I give up all the time. I go, I don't understand why you would put me in this situation, but I'm not strong enough for this and I can't do it. I'm done. And then I wake up the next morning and go, all right, Lord, what are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think that that's the story we as believers need to tell more often. That's the real story. Peter denied Jesus. Jesus told him he was going to do it. He told Jesus he was wrong and still did it. Peter didn't really show up for all the crucifixion. In fact, there was only John we saw standing there with the women at the crucifixion. Where was everybody else? People stumble and they fall and they fall short. But God is not done with us just because we fall short. And so the key is, hey, he's not done with you. There's still an assignment. Will you show up in the room and wait for him like he asks you to even after you're not there? Will you show up even after you feel the guilt and the shame of living a human life? Will you still show up understanding that we don't serve a high priest who hasn't felt all the temptations we have and didn't sin, right? And if you guys don't recognize, I'm just giving you scripture. When I say I remind myself of the scriptures, there's a few scriptures that I have let myself marinate and bask in. I'm not the guy, and I need to say this in an interview because I don't say this enough in interviews. When people hear me and hear my anointing, they assume that they can just say like, First Corinthians chapter four, verse 12, and that I know what's in that verse and chapter. Let's be clear. I don't know what's there. Okay. I don't have every chapter and verse memorized and you can't just give me the address. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's. And so the reason I share that is because the Lord uses what you have. And I just stay committed to continuing to learn stuff and the Lord cultivates it in me, right? There's certain scriptures that never leave my spirit. And those are the scriptures I cling to. Well, what scriptures does he want to let you cling to? You don't have to know every verse of the Bible. By the way, you can't. You can't know every verse of the Bible. 
Okay. It's too many verses. It's too many words, but you should have a little treasure chest that you look into, right? That should be a box that you turn to that reminds you, Hey, but here are some things that you can know when you're saying, but God, I can't, but the word of God says you can, here's your reminders. Here's your proof. And I just think somebody needs to know that because people always hear me and think, I just, I just know them all. I know everything. My wife does. Right. <laughs> when the pastor starts like one of the obscure verses and he goes, I bet nobody knows this verse. And so and so it says, and he says the first couple of words, my wife starts chiming in and I'm just looking at her. Good for you, sweetie. <laughs> I want somebody to hear that because I don't want you to think I'm a perfect Christian. I'm perfected by Christ. That's the only perfection I have in me. He's perfect as my savior. And so don't strive for the perfection you see in somebody else. This is about letting Jesus perfect you in process. So good. You know, as you're talking about that, I have to be honest, one of the things that I noticed right away about you before we even did our first couple of interviews was mm-hmm. what a great communicator you are. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes I feel like Moses where I go, but Lord, I can't. And then next thing you know, he's <laughs> put me out there somewhere. But mm-hmm. what role do you think comparison, right? Like I want to mm-hmm. celebrate the gifts that God has given you. And I want to learn some tips or tricks from you to mm-hmm. make myself better and what God's called me to be. But mm-hmm. what role do you feel like comparison can take when it comes to imposter syndrome? I think that comparison is everything. I don't think it's something. I think it's everything. Because when you find yourself saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not whatever enough, what are you comparing yourself to? Because you're the only you you've ever known. So you're not necessarily comparing it to who you are. So you're most likely comparing it to the impression and perception you have of someone else walking in the call that looks similar to you or walking in the life that you feel you're supposed to have. Gideon says, but Lord, I'm from the weakest tribe in Manassas and I'm the weakest of them, right? He's comparing himself and his tribe to all the other tribes that are there. And I think that's what we do. Listen, here's reality. I think that observation is critical. The Lord has given us the ability to observe things, right? I often think of the verse where I believe it's Elijah is sitting and the servant is beside him and the servant says, we're outmanned. And he says, Lord, give him eyes that he can see. I'm always praying, and I really mean this, Lord, give me eyes so that I can see, right? But I don't want to see just what I'm not that you are. I'm always praying that the Lord will show me me when I look at you so that I can understand myself better. That's a different look, right? You and I were talking earlier and we were talking about coaching and I won't share everything we were talking about. We were talking about coaching, but I'll say one thing that I told you. Sometimes as a coach, I have doubted my skills and abilities because I wasn't sure which of my skills were transferable. Okay. I went to school to be a a musician. I was going to be a music teacher. How did I become a counselor? And then how did I become a coach? Am I equipped to do this? But God, I could never, this doesn't even make any sense. And at first I used to look at this therapist and that therapist, all my colleagues, and I would think, oh my God, I don't have all these credentials. I don't have all these degrees. I don't know how I'm going to be able to be used. And I remember one day I was sitting in a room with the person who runs the facility that I work at. Now, at this point, I just work on the weekends there. And I asked him, I said, I was thinking about getting another level up in a certain credential. What do you think? And he started laughing. And I said, what's going on? 
And he said, well, do you have any desire to open like a private treatment facility or anything like that? I said, absolutely not. He's like, I didn't think so. He said, do you think there's ever a moment where someone listens to you help them and questions your credentials? And I said, no, I don't really think so. He said, whatever the Lord is doing in you, he's doing in you and you're just fine. And so if you are moving into a new area of life, a new season of life, and you're looking at other people and comparing yourself to the people who are already established, if God is really calling you into that space, he's calling you into the crevice of that space that only you can stand in, that your background and your history and your experience will fit so perfectly in an area of that space that only you can stand there. So all I need to do is look at someone else in the space and go, oh, they're just like me. They're standing uniquely in a place that I couldn't stand in, but they couldn't stand where I can stand. So I can see me, and in the process of seeing me, because I know I was created in the image of God, I'm looking at them and they're anointing and I'm seeing the image of God on them when they're helping people. It takes all of this jealousy and bitterness and self-doubt out of it. I don't need to be you as a coach. I don't need to be you as a preacher. I don't need to be you as a speaker. And none of the, th we do a bunch of the same things. The Lord needs you to be you. And if I try to be you, it's never gonna work out. But if I stand fully in being me, that's good enough. And that's the greatest lesson, I think. That's how you get past that imposter syndrome thing from the comparison trap to the comparison testimony. Yeah. You see someone else's testimony and you see what yours could be. Yeah, that's so good. As you're saying that, one of the things that I think is there's who we used to be, who we are today, and then who mm -hmm. we hope to be or feel called to be tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we have to sacrifice who we are today for who we're going to become. Yes. Speak to that a little bit. What does that mean to you when you hear that? When we have to sacrifice who we are today, the insecurities, the comparison, those things for what we can become. Yes, absolutely. The you of today is not strong enough for tomorrow. That's how life works. And so what I believe that God asks us to do is lean completely into this moment and you lean into the moment with a heart of trust and a posture of trusting in him with all of our hearts and leaning not on our own understanding, right? We're supposed to be sacrificing ourselves today for Christ. So that means whatever the gifts I have, I'm pouring them out for my wife. I'm pouring them out for my children. I'm pouring them out for the people I've been called to serve. Everything that I am is poured out for them. And because it's all poured out, I can't be the same tomorrow. So I'll have to say goodbye to that version of me and say hello to a new version tomorrow. I believe that's why Jesus says, first of all, he says, why are you worrying about tomorrow? How many of you has ever added a single moment to their life through worrying, right? So we know the worrying and the stressing about the future, that doesn't do it for you. And then he also says, tomorrow will worry about itself, <laughs> right? Depending on which book you go to. So if I'm not supposed to worry about tomorrow, it means that he'll take care of me tomorrow. So I don't have to worry about saving myself for tomorrow. I pour out for tomorrow. And I trust him to replenish me for tomorrow. Maurice, give me a biblical example. 
go to Moses in the wilderness and they are in the wilderness and he starts providing manna. And the tough part of the manna is that he says, now listen, during the week, you can only get one day's supply of manna. Do not bring any more that you can consume in a day or it will spoil and it will go bad. And the only time that he gives you a double portion is during the Sabbath, right? That is the ultimate trust and faith in God. And I think that sometimes we try to hold back on who we are and what we're capable of because we don't think we'll have enough for tomorrow. And that's actually a lack of trust and faith in what God can provide tomorrow. So I think today it does have to be sacrificed. And here's the last thing I'll say about that. I know it's a long answer, but hopefully it's helping somebody. This is something I say often in the chemical dependency world. And I've also said this in the world where I've got a coaching client, maybe they're a CEO, they're a business owner, and they're thinking about their heyday of their business. And I just want to get back to being the owner that I I used to be. I just want to get back to being the person I just used to be. The person that you were got you here, sitting across from me at a table because you couldn't handle life. And so what we need to understand is that is not a criticism of who you were. It is to say you were the perfect version of you then, but God has given you new opportunities to grow since then. Will you not take them? God is inviting you to another level of growth, another level of belief, another level of everything that is possible in your life. Will you take it? And I think that that is a sacrifice of the past, a sacrifice of the old to embrace the fullness of the new. So good. Maurice, I love your insights and your wisdom. It, you have so much to offer this world, and uh, I just love watching you walk in it. At the end of the day, we know that's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. There's a lot of offerings that you have out there from your podcast, mm-hmm. from Hope Rising, from your book, Your Butt is Too Big, uh-huh. and so many different things that you offer, coaching. Tell us a little bit about how can we find you if we're like, man, you were really hitting on a spot in my life that I could use some development and some help and some coaching. How can we find you and what are you doing out in the world right now? Great question. So the first thing I would invite you to do if you're listening today and you're enjoying this is go to my website, mauricefmartin.com. Really, you'll have access to everything there. The first thing that I would invite you to do, I just put out a free masterclass, a free workshop on imposter syndrome, so it won't cost you a dime. And I really think that there's some really important gems that could help just about everybody. On top of that, you'll have access to my, I have actually have written two books at this point now. And then I also have a prayer journal and a workbook. And so, So maybe some of the words that I've said today struck a chord inside of you and you're thinking, you know, I've been through a lot in my life, but I do want to go to the next level God's calling me to. That's really what I try to help resource people with. So I've got books there. And then, as you mentioned, I also do offer coaching, both individual and group coaching. So don't hesitate. I do offer a free clarity call. Sign up on the clarity call. Come on and let's have a conversation. I don't charge anything for that conversation. If you want more information before then, Maurice, I'm not ready to talk to you yet. Watch my podcast. You can either watch it on YouTube or you can listen wherever podcasts are found. It's called Hope Rising or the Hope Rising Podcast with Maurice F. Martin. You do have to type in the F because it helps me come up a little faster. Uh, so go find me on there. In the next couple of months, you'll be seeing a familiar face on the podcast. And so <laughs> definitely go find me there. But I try to have something for everybody, all price ranges, all different types of needs people might have. So hopefully there's a solution for you that you'll find. That's awesome. And if we work for an organization or a school or a college, 
what type of services do you provide for them? Absolutely. Great question. So I'm a speaker and a clinician. And that's really, if we want to be honest, my favorite thing to do even more than coaching is speaking. And so maybe you work for a school or an organization, whether you're looking for a keynote speaker to speak at an event, or you're looking for somebody to, to speak more fully. So I specifically, when I speak to staffs and other establishments, I talk about burnout and how do you overcome burnout? How do you change your mindset? How do you get healthier as a workplace, work healthy workplace culture? Maybe you want me into your school. I come in and I talk about how do you find the soundtrack of your life? I was a professional musician for most of my life and I won awards and did major things, but I was missing something in my life. And so I talk about how do you find that purpose-filled and purpose-driven life? And I can really tailor all of my talks to your specific organization. And of course, maybe you want me to come on Sunday morning and preach at your church, which is always the most sacred and special of opportunities. Feel free to hit me up. Let me know. I would love to talk about seeing if I'm a good fit for any of those things. Thank you so much. Such a wealth of offering from such an authentic place. So thank mm. you so much, Maurice. It is Absolutely. always a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I will probably bug you again in the future if that's all Please right. Please do. Please. It's more <laughs> than welcome. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will see you same time, same place in two weeks. Thanks for listening. I pray you found hope in today's conversation and maybe even feel a little less alone in your story. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Reclaimed Story. Want to learn more about living a reclaimed life and how you can be a part of our growing community of reclaimers? Check out our website at reclaimedstory.com. All of those links and more will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this inspirational podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Not only will you be the first one to know when new content comes out, but it is also a huge help in helping us reach more people to live the reclaimed life.